Good morning to everyone. Just want to say before we start here, you know, while we were singing that song about freedom this morning, I was thinking about how blessed we are as Canadians to have our charter rights and all the freedoms that we have, but the greatest freedom that we have is that which comes from the Holy Spirit. And um, we can have external freedoms, but the most powerful freedom that we have is that which comes from God himself. We could be sitting in a jail cell, we could be deprived, but because of what the Holy Spirit does in our life, that's what gives us uh, the true peace and joy that every person wants. Well, I had to chuckle a few weeks ago uh, as Mimi and I came back from London. Someone said to us, oh, are you new here? <laughs> and uh, so for those of you that don't know Mimi and I, or maybe you've just joined the church in the last few months, uh, we had the joy of starting this church 20 years ago. And uh, in July, last July, we handed the reins of the senior pastorate over to John. And so we are now focusing on church planting. And my role now at the church is as an overseer and as a spiritual father, along with Mimi as a spiritual mother. Uh, we came back uh, from London in early March after a four-month stint there uh, where I was doing a research project. And for those who are interested in what the Lord did with us while we we're there, we'll be having a How Did It Go in London uh, communication meeting after the service on April 30th. So um, a lot of people have been asking us, and we'll be holding in all sorts of different information, but we'll have a collective time where you can hear uh, what God did. That'll be after the service, kind of a brown bag lunch uh, on April 30th. So there's a lot of exciting things to share there personally and ministry-wise. So the title of my message this morning, as you can see on the slide, is Presbytery and Five Benefits of Prophetic Ministry. For some of you, that word might even just be, you know, what is this about? So we're going to definitely explore that uh, in the message this morning. I want to start us out in Genesis chapter 1, where the scripture says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I love origin stories. And this is where it all began. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then we read there in verse 3, God said, let there be light. Those were the very first words ever uttered by God to the world that was to come. Nine more times in Genesis 1, the Bible goes on to record this phrase, God said. So God, we look to you this morning. We thank you for your voice. We thank you for your scriptures. We thank you, God, that you're raising up a people in this hour that's passionate for you, passionate for your presence, passionate for your word, and passionate for your purposes. As we hear, Father God, your word this morning, may you quicken it in our spirits and our hearts. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Aren't you glad that we have a prophetic God? And what do I mean when I say that? It means that we have a God who speaks. He's not a mute God. When you read the Old Testament, one of the taunts of the prophets to the pagan nations was, you have idols of wood and stone and they can't speak. Their eyes don't blink. Their mouths don't move. They have no expression. They are mute. And every time you look at those idols, it's the same. It's emptiness. Imagine a world in which God does not speak. That's a world that goes dark. That's a world where we feel alone. 
That's a world that would be despairing. You search and you don't find. You cry out and there's no answer. You pray and heaven does not reply. That's why when we give someone the silent treatment, it's one of the most cruel things that we can do. But thankfully, that's not the world that we live in. We live in a world that is colorful and vibrant and bursting with life, dynamic and powerful because we have a God who speaks. Amen? And when he speaks, watch out. What happens after God said, let there be light? Well, right there in the back half of this verse, it says, and there was light. In other words, bam. God said, and it was fulfilled. Unlike human speech, which can be filled with just rhetoric, God fulfills his every word. No empty words, no empty promises. God is 100% trustworthy and true, and what he says, he will do. You can stake your life on the Bible. And there is a war going on in culture right now against the very words of God. And I want to charge every one of you God-loving people to stand up for the word of God and say, this is the words that I live by. You have nothing to be ashamed of. You have nothing to hide from. Doesn't mean you have to be rude. Doesn't mean that you have to be hostile. But this is your foundation. Put your full trust in it. When God speaks, there's an inherent divine power and authority in every phrase to bring into existence what he says. We are created by God to hear from him and to talk with him. That's the garden design. God is a God that communicates. And this is what the prophetic is about, hearing from God, his heart, his mind, his plans, his burdens, his righteousness, his truth, his encouragement, his glory, how he thinks about you and me, his love and his truth. David said in Psalm 139, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. That's the kind of relationship God wants to have with you and with me, where thoughts are multiplying in our hearts and our minds, so much so that we can agree with David. David here, how vast is the sum of them? You know, many people tend to think of the prophetic or prophets as a rod from God. And sometimes that is the case because love involves timely and necessary correction. But the prophetic is primarily a shepherding grace. It's how God tends his sheep. We know in John chapter 10, Jesus himself said, my sheep, what? Hear my voice, and they follow me. This is what Presbytery is about. It's Jesus the shepherd coming into the midst of his flock to build us up with his prophetic mantle. But let me touch on this word presbytery and, and why we use it. Well, it comes from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. And Paul is speaking to Timothy. And he says, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you which was bestowed upon you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. So this is a very packed verse. The word presbytery in the original Greek is presbyterian. Maybe you've heard of that word, the presbyterian denomination. Well, this is where it comes from. And it refers to the office of an elder. But in this verse, as framed by Paul, it gives us a powerful picture of body ministry. A- Timothy is being ministered in the context of his local church. This is not a conference setting. 
When we say it's Presbytery Weekend, we're not throwing it open to the city and say, come to this conference. No, this is a local church event. B, there are prophetically gifted elders that are praying for Timothy. And C, God releases prophetic words that will shape Timothy's ministry and destiny. So in effect, Paul is saying to Timothy, when the elders laid hands on you, they imparted spiritual gifts to you through prophecy. You're going to see in these meetings, there'll be times where the prophetic team comes up, they lay hands, and that's just not a touch of acknowledgement. There is a spiritual impartation that comes, which Paul refers to here with Timothy. And so Timothy is saying there's an impartation that came to you through prophecy. Don't neglect the treasure that's been imparted and deposited in you through the word. This was a life-changing moment for Timothy. And this gives us a, a condensed picture of what Presbytery is about. It's not only a word referring to a leadership position, it's a prophetic model for releasing God's revelation to members in a church through trusted leaders. Now, John mentioned the three um, that will be coming, our presbyters, our elders. And uh, here's a picture of the three handsome men that will be in our midst. You've got Ben Goodman, Stuart Schultz, and Clem Ferris. Now, for those of you that are new to the church, these will be brand new faces to you. Uh, but each of these dear brothers have had a long-standing, beloved history with us. When we started the church in 2003, Stu and Clem were on the first prophetic team to come in to minister to us. I don't think they've aged at all after 20 years. They're looking pretty good. Along with Keith Hazel, who was one of my spiritual mentors, uh, he has now gone on to be with the Lord. Of course, Ben is dearly loved here. He's been with us many times over the last 15 years and has served on the oversight team with me um, for all this time. So some of you, this vocabulary is probably new, or maybe you're hearing it for the first time. But this verse from 1 Timothy 4 is a foundational one. And over the next three weeks, we will continue to build your biblical understanding of the prophetic. So let's turn to five benefits of prophetic ministry. Number one is it releases a spirit of encouragement. So in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is teaching the Corinthian church about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And in the first three verses, he says something very interesting and very important for us. He tells the church, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. It's good and proper for you to yearn and to desire the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. We don't have time to go into it. We covered it in our E-classes. But then he says this, of the nine, I want you to specifically, especially desire the gift of prophecy. Now, if I were to force rank the importance of the nine gifts, I would not have put prophecy at the very beginning. But Paul, in his understanding of the local church and how people need to be encouraged, said something very important here. He says, especially desire the gift of prophecy. And then he explains why. For the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. God knows that what we need most in our daily lives is encouragement. We need verbalization. 
We need words to come to us to impact our hearts and impact our minds to lift us up. We're emotional people. Our moods up and down throughout the day ride on words that come to us, ride on circumstances that come to us, and we lose our steadiness, and we need the voice of God. We need encouragement to come to make us strong, to refresh us once again. And so Paul says, of all the gifts, Corinthian church, be a church that prophesies because then you become a voice piece of God to encourage your brothers and sisters. Later on in Hebrews chapter 3, he says the same thing. Encourage one another every day as long as it is still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Do you see what happens when we get discouraged? We start getting vulnerable. We start moving away from God. We start losing our spiritual disciplines and we get easily picked off by the enemy and led into sin. Every single one of us knows of a brother or sister that's gone down this path and could it not have been prevented by just a little bit more regular encouragement, a little more regular verbalization, a little bit more articulation. Sometimes as Canadians, we're so polite, we're so shy, we're so bashful, we don't really speak up. But you know what? You need to speak up. God says he's putting in your mouth the words of life. And particularly if you have the Spirit of God in you, you get to speak God's word to people to lift them up. You have hope inside of you. Even though you may feel weak, the Spirit of God is inside of you. You have hope. Speak hope to those people that are around you. Lest they fall into sin, lest they fall into the hardness of sin, lest circumstances causes them to get off in their thinking and they come up with a weird construct of who God is. We're in a fight, right? I don't think there's a generation that's ever lived on the face of the earth that is going through the kind of fight that we're going through right now. And we need encouragement in our fight. Paul said to Timothy, again, a key foundational verse about presbytery and prophetic ministry. This command I entrust you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you that by them you may fight the good fight. Prophecies serve as an anchor to our souls. They serve as, as those things that we go back to and say, wait a minute, this is who I am. The world says this, the enemy says this, even my friends and family say this about me, but God, you say this about me, and I'm holding on to that. That's what I'm fighting for. Timothy was a young man. He had a lot of spiritual responsibilities at a young age. He was under the shadow of Paul. And so wherever he went, people were comparing Timothy to Paul. And people were saying to him, oh, you're too young. You're too inexperienced. You're not good enough. You're not like Paul. You don't have knowledge. But Paul was saying to Timothy, remember the words that God spoke to you. You were called. You stand in that strength. And out of that, you fight. And you have the courage and confidence to continue on in what God has called you to. We have another beautiful example of the great apostle Paul. He experienced the power of prophecy. He was not speaking out of just conception. He experienced it himself. In Acts chapter 18, when he was planting the church in Corinth, second, the end of his second missionary tour, he'd gone through Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Athens. Those were wonderful chapters of church planting, but they were also difficult. He had been beaten. He had been persecuted. And he got to Corinth, and all of a sudden, a fear came on him. The great apostle Paul, fear came on him. and He didn't know what to do. And the scripture tells us in Acts 18, the Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision, do not be afraid any longer. 
But go on speaking and do not be silent, for I'm with you. No man will attack you in order to harm you, for I have many people in this city. On the strength of that word, Paul said, I'm staying, I'm not leaving, I'm not fleeing, I'm going to plant a church. And what do we have? We have two letters in the New Testament. Because of Paul planting that church, which can be traced back to this prophetic word that helped Paul fight the good fight. So it was encouraging for Paul to be assured in this way, and the prophetic word came to assist him and to fill him afresh. Ben Goodman, who's going to be with with us here, was in one of our prophetic meetings, and he was prophesying over a young man on Sunday morning. And uh, John and I knew this man, young man very well, gotten married, but he was looking for a job, and for months he could not get any employment. And Ben prophesied to him, today you will get a job. And I remember after the service, I, I went to Ben, and I go, Ben, do you literally mean today? Like today is Sunday. This guy's been looking for work for months. He goes, the word's the word, today. Later that afternoon, This young man called us and said, I got a call to take a job. That was so powerful, so supernatural. This is the kind of encouragement that God wants to bring to us. In 1 Samuel 14, we have this picture where Jonathan was fighting the Philistines with his dad. The war was just raging, and the soldiers were exhausted. And the passage says here that Jonathan came into the forest where they were fighting, and there was a flow of honey in the ground. So he stuck out his staff to get the honey, brought it to his hand, and when he put it into his mouth, the scripture says his eyes brightened. That's what the prophetic word does. It brightens our eyes, takes the sour taste out of our mouth and sweetens it and says, you know what, I can go on with God. There's so many things about this verse. It's a, it's a, it's a sermon in and of itself. Every single one of you has a staff. Some of you think that your staff is broken. That's a picture of your ministry. That's a picture of the authority that God has put in your life. That's a picture of your destiny. And you, Maybe you thought, I'm just going to leave my staff behind. But God wants to cause your staff to be dipped in honey. Second benefit of the prophetic ministry is it displays the supernatural in a naturalistic world. In 2 Timothy 3, Paul writes, That in the last days, are we living in the last days? Every single one of you has discernment, so you can say yes. We are living in the last days. Paul says that those living in the last days, there will be men who hold the form of godliness, but have denied the power thereof. Oh, we love religion. We love the outward form, but we deny the actual power. Is God not a supernatural God? We just celebrated Easter, the greatest miracle to ever happen. Jesus defied death. Sin could not hold him down. Aren't you glad for that? Sin could not hold him down. And the Bible makes this stunning statement. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is in you, in me. The same spirit. Spirit, that's mind-blowing. Just meditate on that over lunch. 
That means the supernatural is part of your identity and my identity as a child of God. It's part of our identity. Why do we make a big deal about the Holy Spirit? Is it because we're charismatics or we're trying to be super spiritual, trying to be super elite? No. We make a big deal about the Holy Spirit because Jesus makes a big deal about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that raised him from the grave, that took him out of the tomb. Read about it in John 14 and John 16. Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. And I think Peter expressed all of our sentiments. No way, Jesus, we don't want you to go away. We want you to be with us forever. But Peter didn't understand the grand strategy of God, that he wanted to put his spirit in every believer. And so Jesus said the right thing. It's to your advantage that I go away. I'm making a big deal about this Holy Spirit so that you recognize, receive, and walk with him. We make a big deal about the Holy Spirit because the Father makes a big deal about the Holy Spirit. Study it out in Acts chapter 1. When Jesus told the apostles, he didn't actually tell them, he commanded them, don't move from Jerusalem until you have received power. That word command is the same command that's used by a military general. When's the last time you commanded someone? Husbands, when you try with your wife, you know that that just completely fails. But Jesus commanded his disciples, why? Wait for what the Father has promised. For 1,500 years, God was waiting for this moment to pour out the Holy Spirit. The Father was making a big deal, and that's why we make a big deal about the Holy Spirit. So believing in the supernatural and believing in a supernatural God is normal Christianity. If we don't believe in a supernatural God, that's abnormal. That's weird. That's anemic. In the West, we have a huge bias against the supernatural. Our intellectualism, our decorum, our constructs, our proclivity to control God gets all uncomfortable when God routinely acts outside of the physical laws that he created to show the world his love and glory. When Jesus multiplied the bread, so that 5,000 could be fed. That was his glory being displayed so that you and I could enjoy his presence. He jumped outside physical laws to do that. Are we going to gainsay that and say, stop, don't do that. That's weird. When he turned the water into wine so that the best wine could be enjoyed at the end of the wedding. My goodness, Jesus, you are the best guest on this list. You just made this event all the more special because we've got the best wine to drink. When he walked on water, when he stilled the storm, the blind see, the lame walk, why should we be afraid of the supernatural? We need a tide of the Holy Spirit to take out our old thinking. You know, many people have gotten healed here at Five Stones. Arthritis and knuckles, muscle spasms, skin diseases, infertility. We have babies in our church because women got healed in their wombs. Human life, bundles of cuteness. Is that awesome? Of course it's awesome because of a supernatural God working in our midst. A few years back when I was pastoring, as far as I know, we had a fellow come to our service just twice. He was, he was in, living in transitional housing. He came into our service and we had a call out for healing. 
and he received healing. And then the next week he came back to give a testimony of how he got healed. He came up actually during the announcements time, walked down the aisle, sort of broke the, the normal routine, and he said, I had screws in my ankles and I could not walk. But after I got prayed, I got healed. And he started jumping up and down. Left the service. We never saw him again. God is generous. He will just continue to pour out. His storehouse is unlimited. That's his big heart. The prophetic, which is part of the supernatural, displays how powerful your God is and my God is in a naturalistic world. There was another Sunday in which another young man came into our service for the first time. He asked for prayer. The prayer team prayed for him. And then this picture came forth of him holding a tombstone. It's kind of an intense picture, borderline morbid. Well, it turned out that the picture spoke deeply to him because his dad had died a few months prior and he could not let go. So when the word came to him, we prayed and the depression that was over him was broken that day and he started to come to church every Sunday. That's fruit that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. Prophetic ministry reminds us that our God is awesome. It raises our faith and upgrades our picture of him, which, by the way, is our minds getting renewed. Romans 12, 12. Third benefit of prophetic ministry, it reveals the Father's heart. Last verse in the Old Testament from Malachi Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet. There's no greater signs and wonders prophet in the Old Testament than Elijah. At the Mount of Transfiguration, the two prophetic figures that represented the prophetic tradition of Israel. And by the way, that's what is distinctive about Israel. Not just the covenants, not just the law, not just that they're, they're the people that were called out by the Lord to represent him, but they had prophets, those who spoke for God. And so at the Mount of Transfiguration, when Moses and Elijah appears with Jesus, Moses represented that prophetic word tradition that we love, and Elijah represented the signs and wonders tradition that we love. And so when Malachi calls out Elijah and his prophetic ministry, we perk up and we say, okay, we take note here. Malachi says that Elijah the prophet is going to be coming on the great and terrible day of the Lord. Last days, we're getting close to the great and terrible day of the Lord, which refers to the coming of Jesus Christ. In Elijah, in that prophetic spirit, he will turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Prophetic ministry is a heart ministry, revealing the hearts of fathers to children and children to fathers, and most importantly, God's heart the best father of all to you and to me. Prophetic ministry is a Romans 8.31 ministry, which is God is for me and not against me. We sang it. Pastor John exhorted it to us. There's nothing that we can do that will keep God from coming after us. He will not cast us out. It's an Ephesians 1.17 ministry, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of of him and what he thinks about you. It's one thing to know about God. 
It's another thing to know what this God thinks about you and me. That's why prophecy is so powerful. It releases God's specific, customized understanding and insight to how he sees you. I have preached hundreds of sermons, but most of the time the things that people remember are the things that I prophesied to them because it's so personal. In John chapter 4, we have a picture of the woman at the well. There's many ways to preach this story. We know it. She's a Samaritan woman. Jesus is thirsty. They have this encounter. He wants a drink of water, and it leads to her getting saved. Why? Because she found out how God thinks about her, even though she had six husbands. That's damaged goods. That's someone that has living in dysfunction for a long time. That's a woman that does not feel good about herself. That's a woman that is wanting some kind of worth and trying to fill it up with men and relationship and physicality. And here comes Jesus, and he blows her away because he accepts her, even though he knows that she has five husbands and the sixth one that she's living with is not even her real husband. On the strength of that little insight, that little prophecy, she goes into her city, evangelizes the whole city. Read it again in John chapter 4. Revival breaks out because one person found out how God thought about them. The biggest need of Generation Y and Generation Z is to know how God thinks about you. I'm telling you, this generation can be set on fire in a way that maybe we've never seen. The Bible says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, he will raise up a standard. And we know the enemy is coming like a flood into our culture, and he's going to raise up a standard. The church, and part of the leading of the church is Gen Y. And if they get touched by God and know how God really sees them and feels about them, they're going to be on fire. We need that. We need that in Canada. We need that in this generation. I don't care if this city is filled with women at the well. Let it be because Jesus is going to come. I was in Taiwan one time. We were ministering. I was on a prophetic team. Probably a couple thousand people. And we just started doing call-outs. You up there in the third row, in the balcony, God says this to you. Started calling out, the team started calling out, and I began noticing that everyone that call, got called out were men. And so I said, oh, Lord, you must have a word for some of the sisters in the church. And as soon as I started to pray that prayer, I had this vision come to me. And it was of scooters that had broken down. And in Taiwan, there's a lot of scooters. And that these people were beside their scooters and couldn't make it to the meeting because it had broke down. So I just shared this picture that God gave me. I said, you know, there's some of you that were riding here to the meeting. Your scooter broke down, and you were so anxious that you couldn't make the meeting. But God sees, and he wants to speak to you. Three women stood up, and I thought, God, you know, you know, you're not going to leave out the sisters. My spiritual mentor, Keith Hazel, gave probably one of the most spectacular prophetic words I've ever seen. And here's what happened. We were at a men's retreat. It was a Saturday morning kind of men's breakfast thing. At the end of it, we had a ministry time. And he prophesied to this one young man. Very encouraging. It was wonderful. Next day, Sunday morning in the service, he tasked me on the shoulder. He goes, Rich, 
He goes, you know that guy I prophesied over yesterday? I go, yeah. He goes, I have a completely different word. I go, what? He goes, I, I can't get it out of my head. I have a completely different word. I said, well, you just have to obey. So he got up, prophesied over the fellow, gave him a completely different word, and then I say, actually, Keith, that's his identical twin brother. <laughs> that's mind-blowing. His mind, his eyes was tricking him. It's like, I just prophesied this over him yesterday, and now I have a different word, but it was his identical twin brother. God knows us. He knows every single one of us, even if we look like someone else, even if we're identical to someone else, God knows us. That's the Father's heart. Fourth benefit of prophetic ministry is that it releases a spirit of mission. In Acts 13, as the gospel was spreading out from Jerusalem into Judea and the uttermost parts of the earth, we find this budding, beautiful church called Antioch. And if you see the arc of the book of Acts, this is actually where it turns from Jerusalem and the 12 apostles to Paul and the Gentiles. So in Acts 13, the church, the leaders are ministering to the Lord, fasting, and the Holy Spirit said, the prophetic word came forth, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. I don't know what the Lord is going to be saying to each of you, but there will be moments in which the Holy Spirit will say, you are sent here. This is your call. This is your destiny. Out of this one prophetic word, we have the greatest church planting team in history. It ended up going all throughout Asia Minor, which we know today to be Europe. And do you know that Europe, and then its ensuing progression into the Americas, created the most prosperous nations in the world? Because of the gospel. All because of this spirit of mission that came through the Holy Spirit. When Jesus saw Peter, he said to him in Matthew chapter 4, I'll make you fishers of men. Peter was just going through life, being a faithful fisherman. And then God came and disrupted his world. Yeah, you're a fisherman, but I'm now going to make you a fisher of men. God speaks destiny to us. God wants to fill us with the knowledge of his will. Besides the question, how do you hear God's voice? The number one question I get asked. The second most question I get asked is, I don't know what God's will is. God is not trying to hide his will from you. Colossians chapter 1, it says, Paul says to the Colossians, since the day we have heard of it, we not cease to pray for you, to ask that you might be filled with, with the knowledge of his will. That idea filled is a cup that's all the way to the top in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Not just the big idea, but the little details that go into it. God wants to bless you with understanding of what his will is so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Those two things are connected. If you feel like you're dead in the water, if you feel like you're dry, you're not fruitful, it might be because you don't fully know the compass that God has for you. You don't know how to aim yourself. You don't know how to prioritize your energy, your money, your time. But when you know from God, fruitfulness will come out. And you're going to start bearing fruit and you're going to bring glory to God. My first presbytery was 35 years ago. 
I was called to the pastorate. I was called to church planting. I was called to prophetic ministry. I was called to go to the nations. But at the time, I got the word I was a scientist at 3M Company. I was shepherding lab rats. How am I going to go from the lab bench to becoming a minister? It was absolute craziness. But God has this way of fulfilling his word. And it's all come to pass. And being on mission is not just for the young. It's also for the old. A few years back, I was asked to minister to a group of pastors, about 20 churches that were represented. And the founder of this network was walking into the church foyer. Now, he was an elite athlete. He was a, a marathon runner. He would wear out a brand new pair of running shoes every two weeks. I mean, he would just put on the miles all the time. You walked into his garage and you saw these dozens and dozens of pairs of running shoes. He flew for the U.S. Air Force. He was trained at the U.S. Military Academy. Just very distinguished and very disciplined man who got converted and, and just was so used of the Lord. Anyways, he was about in his early 70s. He walked into the foyer. He wasn't much taller than me and about 20 pounds lighter than me. Um, and I saw him with this huge belly like this, like he was pregnant. Oh, gosh, what does this mean? And as I prayed on it, I just saw that there was yet another church plant inside of them. And so I went to the leadership of that network of churches. I said, I, I have this vision of one of your spiritual fathers. He just finished. He was planning to retire, but I see another church plant in here. Long story short, released the word to him. In two weeks, he moved to another city, planted a church, and that church now has become a mega church of thousands. That's mission. You don't have to be old. You don't have to be young. There's mission that God has for you at all times of your life. That's what the prophetic ministry comes, is to stir and to give you clarity on those things. Last point to bring out is that prophetic ministry unifies the body. Ezekiel 37, a famous passage for us, which is about the valley of dry bones. Let's read some of these verses together. He, Ezekiel is referring to God, led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valleys, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. So I prophesied as I commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together bone to bone. That's what prophecy does. It stirs us as a body gets motion and momentum going. God said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Prophetic ministry is God's breath coming upon us as a local church. Prophetic ministry brings spiritual momentum, releases unity, understanding, and clarity. Dry bones stand up. Do you feel dry? 
You feel like you're just laid out in the valley. There's nothing like the voice of God to stand you up. Causes us to come together, to know our placement. Oh, you belong there. You belong there. That's your gifting. Presbytery is a family event, like Pastor John emphasized to us. Genesis 49, we have one of the most beautiful pictures about how it is a family event. Jacob is coming to the end of his life. He has 12 sons. God prophesied that to him. It was fulfilled. And now Jacob is gathering them together to prophesy. Verses 1 and 2, Jacob called for his sons and and said, Gather around so I can tell you what will happen to you in the days to come. Assemble and listen, sons of Jacob. Listen to your father, Israel. So they were all together in the room, all 12 brothers, so they could hear the word of the Lord to each one and to cheer each other on. Now, I've just pulled out three of the 12 prophecies, but the word that came over Judah is that you're going to be the lineage of kings. In verse 10, it says, the scepter shall not depart from you. That's why we call Jesus the lion of the tribe of Judah goes all the way back to the prophetic word that Jacob gave to his son. One of the hundreds of prophecies that validate Jesus as the Savior, as the Messiah. You can't make this stuff up. Then we hear the word coming over Zebulun in verse 13. He gets to live on the beach and take care of yachts and big boats. Zebulun shall dwell at the seashore and he shall be a haven for ships. And the word that comes to Asher, he's going to be a foodie. As for Asher, his food shall be rich. Now we know that this is the prophecy John wants. (laughs) I want to be Asher. Give me the foodie prophecy. This is why Presbytery is such a key part of our culture here at Five Stone. It's so fun. Prophetic ministry released into the local church not with hundreds of attendees that you don't know at a conference. This is what is so distinctive about presbytery model. This is not a conference where we just throw it open to the city. Whoever wants to come can come. No, you're not with hundreds of people that you don't know. You're with your brothers and sisters who know you, can laugh and cry with you as the word is being spoken. You have built-in support, built-in accountability, built-in safety with us as pastors to help you weigh and judge these prophecies. We've pre-vetted these guys for your safety. They're under our authority. We can publicly rebuke them if they say something wrong. Regarding accountability, we have a system, which we'll talk about more in the next two weeks, to test and judge the words that come. We ask you to write down the prophecies, We then ask you to schedule a meeting with elders and pastors to review the words to make sure that it agrees with Scripture. Now hear this well. No prophetic word is above the written word. Zero. It has to conform with the written word of God. So if there's a prophecy that comes, oh man, I really see that you're going to become wealthy. Here's the numbers to buy at the lottery ticket booth and you're going to become the next mega millionaire. Sorry, time out, wrong word, canceled. This coming presbytery is going to be our 10th one at Five Stones. 
And it's our first in-person one since the COVID regulations were lifted. Woohoo! Let's be here. Don't do it online unless medically or physically you can't do it. Our rhythm has been, has been to bring in prophetic teams every two years, and it's each time it's a high watermark for us. Everyone needs to come and bring your expectation and anticipation and agreement. No passivity is allowed. We need to pack out the meetings like we've done each in the previous presbytery times. Rearrange your schedule to attend. A prophetic ministry unifies the body and allows us to corporately take in and enjoy God's presence together. You know how like when you go to a concert, Mimi and I just went to see some pro uh, women tennis players. It was uh, the Billie Jean Cup. And it's just fun to be together with other people to take in this event. You have a shared experience. So come together and have a shared experience in God's presence. And as you listen, whether you are called out or not, let the overflow of the words speak to your hearts. We're all dry bones that need a fresh breath upon us. Amen? So sign up. Use the QR code. It's for members. It's not for outsiders. If you call Five Stones Church your spiritual home, you're in good standing, you're not still working through things, you don't have an ax to grind, you can be a candidate. Talk a little bit more about how we sort through the candidates and those who will get prayed for. But thank you, Father, that you are a God who speaks. Jesus, we look to you right now. Thank you that you're alive, that you're well, that you know each of us so intimately. You care for us. You're the shepherd. You want to buoy us up. You want to fill us with strength. And we pray right now for the prophetic team as they prepare to come. Lord, that you would fill them with insight and revelation. That it would be just a huge deposit from heaven through the Holy Spirit, God, to this local church, Five Stones. We give you thanks now in Jesus' name. Amen. I think everybody should be pulling out their phones. Let's get that slide up with the QR code. I think everybody needs to sign up. Like we said, this is a time for God to speak, and I think that there is no greater time than these times right now that every single church needs to hear the voice of God. Every single church needs that encouragement right now because we're sitting in times where there's so many voices that speak and I believe that God needs to speak his voice to break through all of those other chatter that's happening right now. And so this, the, this weekend, like I said, it is family week. It's going to be a fun time. It's going to be a lot of laughs. You're going to sit and you're going to see people that you know go up on stage and they're going to receive a word. And that word is going to just tickle you, not just for them, but it's also for you. All of these words that be, that that are spoken begins, you, you start to see there's this thread that kind of goes through all of those words. And all of those words begin to weave itself together and you see the power of the church coming together. That every single word, maybe it's not individually for you, but it is for the church. That this is family time. I want you guys to sign up, especially for those that right now call Five Stones, your home, you've gone through E1, you've gone through E2, you've gone through E3. You've already kind of seen how pr pr prophetic ministry works, but you've never seen it in a corporate sense. Those that just went through the E3 class, I want all of you guys to sign up. Those that were here last Thursday, sign up. Terry, Ruth, I need you guys to sign up. 
See? <laughs> Carrie's doing it. But this is a time for us as a family to come together. This is a time where we really get to see what God is doing and God's voice is going to penetrate through the darkness. God's voice is going to penetrate through the confusion. God's voice is going to penetrate through all of these things and the, the power in God's voice is going to lift up this church and is going to propel this church into mission. This is not just for us. It's, this is get ready church because I believe that something big is coming. Let's sign up. Tracy, you're signed up? All right, let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord. Lord, that we get to come before you. We get to prepare for such an event as this. A presbytery where we invite elders in to come and pray, to lay your hands, to encourage your church. So, Father God, we just prepare our hearts we prepare ourselves as we come into the, your presence. We prepare ourselves and be excited for this family. So, Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you for all the words that you're going to give. But, Lord, we just pray that this is a time where there's an encouragement for your people. We thank you and pray us in Jesus' name. Amen.